So Achari, I think, is a sneaky good move. Also brings some bite as well to this team, which, again, like, you know, if you're someone like Casey, who's been who's been saying it kind of tongue in cheek, like the, the Leafs need some sandpaper. I think they do in some respect, like and I think it's good that they added Achari who brings some of that. You're now listening to the Voice in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Welcome to this Let Us Explain episode of the Boys in the Booth podcast. This time, just myself, Chad Melbourne, flying solo, talking about the Ryan O'Reilly trade to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because, of course, I have to talk about this trade. Ryan O'Reilly is a Toronto Maple Leaf. Let's talk about it, guys. First, my initial thoughts. I think the Leafs probably overpay a little bit here, but they're undoubtedly a better team today than they were yesterday. I think the team gets better defensively and maybe a little bit better offensively too in adding Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari. Um, but I think they still need to add a defenseman too, which we'll get into later on. And I guess before I get too deep into this episode, let me just lay out the trade in case you've been living under a rock and haven't heard the specifics of it yet. Toronto acquires Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari from the St. Louis Blues, okay, those two players, and Josh Pilar from the Minnesota Wild. St. Louis acquires Adam Gadet, Mikhail Abramov, a first in 2023, a third in 2023, and a second in 2024 from the Maple Leafs, and the Minnesota Wild, who ate 50% of Ryan O'Reilly's salary after the St. Louis Blues already ate 50% of Ryan O'Reilly's salary, uh, acquire a fourth round pick in doing so. So that means Ryan O'Reilly is coming to the Maple Leafs for a price tag of $1.875 million. The Leafs sending out... In this trade, Adam Gadet, Mikhail Abramov, a first, a second, a third, and a fourth to get Ryan O'Reilly at the number that they did. Now, just looking at the value, like I said, I think the Leafs overpaid just a little bit here, um, but I'm okay with it. Honestly, I think like every Leafs fan is kind of in the same boat right now where they just feel like this is the window to win and we're sick of adding you know, bottom six players who might contribute. We're sick of finding bargain bin ads who are fine. And and that's great for longevity, for the longevity of the team. But listen, we've been searching for a big fish here and Kyle Dubas finally pulled the trigger. And I'm honestly kind of shocked that he did, but pretty happy as well. Um, now, like looking at some of the other trades that have happened, like obviously the Bull Horvat trade has happened and the Tarasenko trade. So just comparing this one to those, I still wish that the Leafs got Bull Horvat. I think he's a better player and the price tag wasn't that bad. Uh, I think it would have cost the Leafs more than what they gave up for O'Reilly if they wanted to acquire Horvat uh, a few weeks ago. So maybe that was a deterrent. Um, I will say, though, that the New York Islanders first round pick is not the same as the Leafs first round pick for starters so that was an issue there like the the Islanders pick is going to be somewhere between you know 12 and 16 probably and the Leafs pick will likely be one of the last ones in the first round and, and it's basically a second at that point and Kyle always trades down anyways so I'm not overly concerned that that first round pick is gone 
Uh, plus, the Leafs weren't really willing to part with a top prospect like Matthew Nyes or Topi Niemela or uh, Frazier Minton or Nick Robertson, someone like that. I'm happy that they weren't willing to part with one of those guys in a trade like this. Um, but the Islanders were. They sent Atu Ratu, who is a pretty good prospect. I would say he's a B prospect, B plus maybe, uh, if you're high on him like me. So I'm kind of happy the Leafs didn't include that in the trade. Um, and, and a third factor why, you know, I think the, the Horvat trade for the Leafs was kind of unlikely is because they wouldn't have money in the offseason to re-sign Horvat, whereas I think they will have money to sign Ryan O'Reilly if he's willing to take, you know, a, a sort of a Giordano hometown discount type of deal, uh, you know, a Geo 2.0 deal, as I've called it here in my notes. And I could see that, you know, being a guy from Ontario um, who who plays a style of hockey that I think Maple Leafs fans will absolutely eat up. Uh, I could see the fit being perfect for him. So I am still disappointed that the Leafs didn't get Horvat and they got Ryan O'Reilly instead. But that being said, I, I'm pretty happy regardless. We're still waiting to hear the price for players like Timo Meyer and Jacob Chikrin. Um, and even though I think the Leafs overpaid a bit in this deal, I think the price for those two players is going to be astronomical. I think the Leafs knew that and they were just like, you know what? That's too much. That's too rich for our blood. We don't want to part ways with prospects like Nyes or Robertson. So whatever, we'll let New Jersey do that. We'll let the Rangers do that. Um, I guess the Rangers didn't have to give up many good prospects. But the point is, I think it was just too rich for their blood. And, and they're not willing to do that. I guess L.A. would be another team who who maybe is willing to do that if the Chikrin deal goes through. But we'll have to see. We're still waiting to see what the price is. Um, still, relatively speaking, I think it's a bit of an overpay. I, I want to stress that. Although I'm a fan of the trade, I want to stress that I think it is a bit of an overpay. And I think that's fine. I think that's fine for the Leafs. Um, so speaking of price also in this Ryan O'Reilly deal, I think Toronto paid the price to St. Louis that I thought Tarasenko would fetch from the Rangers, which was a first, uh, a second and a third in this deal for Ryan O'Reilly. And, and the Rangers only paid a first and a third basically for Tarasenko. So I think their value there, uh, swapped in my mind because I think the Rangers did really well in the Tarasenko deal because you get a really, really good player and you really didn't have to give up that much. Just picks, which are, you know, magic beans in the first place uh, and, and no second round pick at that. So I think they did a little bit better than the Leafs here. And I think, honestly, Tarasenko might be a better player than O'Reilly. It just depends what you want the player for. I think the Leafs looked at O'Reilly and thought, this is a great middle six player. He can play third-line center and have incredible depth down the middle. He can chip in offensively if you play him in the top six. Whereas Tarasenko, you know exactly where he's playing, in the top six, on the wing, and he's sort of one-dimensional in that way. So, I mean, depending on you know how both of these teams do, I could see the argument for, or I could see someone making an argument for either player being more impactful, but I guess we'll just have to see how it shakes out. All of that being said, when comparing these two trades, I do think that Nola Chari will be a more impactful player for the Maple Leafs than Nico Mikola will be for the Rangers, uh, just because I think the Leafs desperately lacked um, a bit of bite in their bottom six, and I think that's exactly what they got with Achari. He's a guy that I've had my eye on for a while. I've really liked him uh, since his time in Boston and then Florida, so I'm very, very happy about 
the Achari acquisition as well. Uh, and, and also comparing the two trades here uh, between you know acquiring Ryan O'Reilly and acquiring Tarasenko, I think the reason the Leafs had to pay a bit more, I mean, obviously they had to pay Minnesota to do it, but they got Ryan O'Reilly double retained. So as I mentioned, 1.875 for the player, which is insane value, and uh, also 1.25 million for Achari, and I think that's fine. And now, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Um, so now what I wanted to do was just kind of go through a few of the players uh, or all of the players rather in the trade and just kind of break down who they are and, and what their deal is, what they're about. And I'll start from, I would say, smallest to biggest. So I'll start with Josh Pilar from Minnesota. He's a 21-year-old overager who was drafted in the fourth round by Minnesota in 2021, currently plays for Saskatoon in the WHL. Uh, with another Leafs prospect, Brandon Lazowski, who Dubas mentioned in his press conference. Uh, there's obviously that connection there. Uh, Pilar has 12 points in 13 games in the WHL this year. Again, like I mentioned, as an overager. And clearly, you know, like, I'm not going to profess to know a ton about the player, but clearly the Leafs had interest in him uh, because they go to watch Brandon Lazowski all the time in Saskatoon. So we'll see. He's currently unsigned. I don't know what his future holds, but, you know, fourth round pick, might as well take a flyer on the kid uh, because you're already familiar with him in the first place. Moving on to Mikhail Abramov, who was one of the pieces moved to St. Louis from Toronto. Fourth rounder in 2019 uh, for the Maple Leafs, but he's been passed in the depth chart by plenty of other forwards in the Leafs organization now. He has 16 points in 34 games in the AHL this season for the Marlies. I would say, and from what I've read, this is kind of how he projects. He projects to be a useful bottom six player in the NHL, but let's be honest, he probably wasn't going to get that chance for the Maple Leafs, so I'm not overly concerned that he was a player they moved out. Moving on to Adam Gadette. He was a player that the Leafs signed at the offseason uh, as a depth option, 
but he never really got a chance. And I think that's because of the emergence of so, some of the other players in the Leafs system, like Pontus Holmberg, Joey Anderson, Alex Steves, etc. There's a few other guys in there as well who just kind of passed him. And, and for that reason, Gadet never really got a chance. He does have 34 points in 40 games for the Marlies this season. So he's having a decent year in the AHL. And if you remember, going back to 2020, he had 33 points in 59 games uh, for Vancouver. So, you know, he can play in the NHL in, in sort of a middle six offensive role. And maybe that's what he does in St. Louis. Like clearly they need, uh, you know, players going forward because they're in full sell mode, it seems right now. Um, so there's some potential left in Gaudette. Uh He is sort of an aging player now, but I mean, since that season in 2020 where he had 33 points in 59 games, he's bounced around a ton. He's been claimed off waivers. He's cleared waivers a bunch of times. So for the Leafs, no sweat off your back. You're not losing anything. In fact, you're gaining a contract spot, really. Um, and, and maybe that was the case. Like they had to move out two contract spots to bring in the two contract spots. And maybe that's why this player was included in the deal at all. Uh, moving on to Noel Achari now, and I think Achari is the most important piece in this deal, obviously second to Ryan O'Reilly uh, for the Maple Leafs, but a sneaky important piece in this deal, I think. Uh, you know, he's a former 20-goal scorer dating back to 2020 uh, with the Florida Panthers, and he had 18 points, or he has 18 points in 54 games this season, so he can produce offensively in a bottom six role, but... Uh, let's be honest, the Leafs got him to play on their fourth line in probably the center position, depending on where David Kampf plays. Like if they want him down the middle and maybe Achari on the wing, that's fine. Um, but he's a right-handed uh, player who can take face-offs, and he's pretty damn good at it too. So that's something the Leafs were missing. They have a ton of players like that on the left side who can take face-offs, but they've been struggling in the dot uh below their top two lines like Matthews is really good in the dot Tavares is really good but they were missing a guy you know similar to like what Jason Spezza brought who is really good in the dot um this season they're still a pretty good face-off team but they didn't have that guy on their defensive line who they could go to to win a draw and I think Achari brings some of that um just being right-handed it gives you more options for guys taking face-offs in the defensive zone on their strong side as opposed to always having someone having to take it on their weak side. So Achari, I think, is a sneaky good move. Also brings some bite as well to this team, which, again, like, you know, if you're someone like Casey, who's been who's been saying it kind of tongue-in-cheek, like the, the Leafs need some sandpaper, I think they do in some respect. Like, And I think it's good that they added Achari, who brings some of that. Obviously, uh, he played some Bruins-style hockey in the past. I, I believe he was on that 2019 team that actually lost to St. Louis in the finals. So it's kind of interesting that he went to St. Louis after that. But I think he's a good add. And uh, second in expected goals for in all situations for the St. Louis Blues this season, which I thought was kind of interesting too. Like he's not just a player. He's not just a grunt for your bottom six. He's a guy who can generate offense if given the opportunity. So I, I love the versatility there. Now moving on to Ryan O'Reilly, the reason that the Leafs made this trade, the big fish, um, you know, let's talk about him. What kind of player are we getting in Ryan O'Reilly? Are we getting the player who won the Stanley Cup, the Conn Smythe Trophy, and the Selkie Trophy in 2019? 
Or are we getting a player who from this season is having a down year, has just 19 points uh, in 40 games played? Like, which guy are we getting? And we don't really know the answer to that. But I think the fact that this player has been so good in the playoffs and throughout the regular season in years past is probably a good sign. I've been seeing a lot um, on on Instagram and uh, even YouTube, people comparing this trade to the Nick Foligno deal. I wouldn't go that far. I think the difference with the Felino deal is that health was a question. He was coming off of a back injury and then ended up re-injuring that injury uh, going into the playoffs and barely played at all. And it was just kind of a, a, a waste of a first-round pick looking back on it. I think the difference with Ryan O'Reilly, who is coming back from an injury, by the way, uh, the difference is it's not a recurring back injury like Felino was having. It was just a broken bone. Um, and, and so there was no muscle damage or anything like that. I'm not a doctor. Uh, I want to say that and be very clear. But I think it's uh, encouraging that O'Reilly's back healthy. And I think he has three points in his last three games. I'd have to double check that since coming back. But uh, anyway, I think the production will come with the Leafs. He had 58 points in 78 games last season. And he had 12 points in 12 games in last year's playoffs. So like really when you're looking at the whole picture the Leafs don't need Ryan O'Reilly to be a, a offensive dynamo they got him to play that two-way game that won him the Selkie Trophy in 2019 and uh you know it'll depend where he plays in the lineup I think he'll bring a little bit of both some offense and defense but uh when you have the opportunity to get a player like Ryan O'Reilly I think it's a no-brainer for the Leafs even if you had to overpay a little bit I, I think it's totally fine um, just looking at some of the underlying stats as well, uh, according to Dom Lecision of The Athletic, Ryan O'Reilly has played tougher matchups than 97% of all NHL forwards this season. So in Toronto, I don't think he's going to get uh, those tough matchups. I think they'll be split between uh, the top nine forward group. Um, and I really don't know where he's going to play, honestly. like we can, I'm going to touch on that in a couple minutes but he can play either in the top six or in the top nine or he can be stapled to third line center like who knows but i think the point is he's not going to be playing as tough of minutes with uh teammates who aren't as good frankly so he, he's going to be playing decent uh favorable minutes for the maple Leafs with some pretty damn good teammates so i think ryan o'reilly will be just fine in that respect and again looking at some of the numbers the heat maps indicate that the blues have been a better team both offensively and defensively with ryan o'reilly on the ice this season as opposed to without him on the ice so that's good and like i mentioned I fully expect Ryan O'Reilly to be a better player in Toronto this season than he was in St. Louis just because of all of the factors that go into it. So let's talk about the lineup uh, as I'm kind of wrapping this up. Again, I, like, I just wanted to rapid fire this episode and, and get it out as quick as I could to, to get my reaction to the deal um, before it becomes old news and nobody cares about it. Um, it so for me, I see two options for Ryan O'Reilly and I guess I'll just run through the two lineups I have here and, and sort of what I expect they could look like. And, and option number one is, um, and these are just the forward lines, by the way. Option number one, Bunting, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares on the wing, Ryan O'Reilly, and Marner. 
And then the bottom six, Yarncroak, Camp, Engvall, Kerfoot, Achari, and Zach Aston Reese. I think this option with Ryan O'Reilly as your second line center allows him to take more of the defensive responsibility away from John Tavares and kind of frees John Tavares up to play that uh, left wing spot on the second line to get some more favorable uh, offensive chances because we all know Tavares is able to generate chances like nobody else. In fact, I believe currently he's in the top five in the entire league in expected goals. But the problem with Tavares is he's not as fleet of foot as he used to be. He's never been a great skater in the first place, but clearly age is catching up and everybody knows that. He's not very fast. So if you take some defensive responsibility away from Tavares, allow Ryan O'Reilly to eat up some of that defensive zone time and free up Tavares and Marner on the wings, I think that could be a deadly combination both offensively and defensively um, because, again, you're freeing up Tavares for offense and you're allowing Ryan O'Reilly to take care of the defensive responsibilities, which he's done for so long. Again, won the Selkie Trophy in 2019. We're four years removed from that, I know, but I think it's worth mentioning because that's the type of player you're getting, even if he's not uh, necessarily at that level. So that's option one for lines. Option two... Uh, I think look like this. Bunting, Matthews, Nylander, keeping that first line the same. Yarncroke, Tavares, Marner, keeping the top six the same as it is right now. Currently, Yarncroke, I think, has fit in pretty nicely and has become uh, a pretty good two-way player for the Leafs on that second line left wing. Ideally, you'd like to upgrade that spot even with Ryan O'Reilly in the bottom six, but... You know, beggars can't be choosers. And sometimes, you know, actually all of the time teams aren't perfect. And sometimes you have to settle for that. And then moving on to the bottom six in this option two for the lineup. Uh, I have Kerfoot on the left wing, Ryan O'Reilly down the middle and Engvall on the right side. I think that third line would give you some offense, um, but also be fairly responsible defensively as well. And then moving on to the fourth line in this uh, second scenario, Nolachari on the left, David Camp down the middle, and or, or swap those if if you'd like, depending on uh, you know what side of the rink the faceoff is in, and then Zach Aston Reese on the right hand side. So I think this option, option two, having Ryan O'Reilly play the third line center spot, kind of spreads out the talent throughout your lineup and allows your bottom six to be a complete black hole. Um, in, in terms of stifling the other team's offense and allows your top six to just kind of keep rolling how it is. So those are the two options I envision uh, the Leafs probably testing out in the last, you know, 30 games of the season or so just to see what works. Um, Sheldon Keefe isn't afraid to kind of mix it up and, and try different things, even mid-game. So I'm excited to see that. They do play uh, the Canadians tonight and Chicago tomorrow. These are two uh, great tests to see, you know, what the lineup can look like. And I'm sure Sheldon Keefe will experiment uh, with these two new players being added to the lineup. They are playing tonight, by the way, in Montreal. And hopefully I'm able to get this episode up before that game starts. Um, but yeah, so that's something to look forward to. And and I guess we'll see. I think, you know, even though the positional aspect is uncertain, I think it was a no-brainer to acquire a player of this caliber. And you just hope that Ryan O'Reilly can get back to what he was in 2019. And uh, if we get some version of that, if the Leafs get some version of Ryan O'Reilly, 
that is even remotely close to the 2019 version, I think they get way better uh, on the ice. Because right now, they're way better on paper. We just have to see how it shakes out on the ice. Just wrapping up now, um, I have two sneaking suspicions that I wanted to mention. Uh, I have no basis for these claims. These are just things that I think I think. And uh, that's uh, kind of a nod to Jonas Siegel of The Athletic. That's something that he says to wrap up a lot of his articles. Things I think I think. And uh, so I'm stealing that because this is true. These are two things I think I think. Number one, I think Ryan O'Reilly is going to resign in Toronto. I just, I just really feel like Dubas wouldn't have gone out and made the move if he wasn't at least semi-confident that he would be able to get a deal done with the player. Um, so keep an eye on that. Like I mentioned off the top of this episode, I could see a Giordano 2.0 contract coming in. I don't know what that number would look like for Ryan O'Reilly. It certainly wouldn't be league min, but I don't know. I could see it being friendly, maybe three million, three and a half to replace uh, Kerfoot's number this off season. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But that's something that I think we should keep an eye on. Dubis did say in his press conference today that um, that's not something they're even thinking about. His analogy was um, he, he thinks that the team should live together before getting married. Um, so take that with a grain of salt because Dubis also said he wasn't going to acquire rental players. And he got two of them yesterday or last night. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think there should be money available this offseason for Ryan O'Reilly. And the second thing that I think I think is that the Leafs are not done upgrading. I truly think they're going to find a way to clear out some cap space, free free up some space on the roster and get a defenseman because Right now, the Leafs top six on D looks okay. And I think in the future, it looks even better as your younger players um, develop. And I think there's tons of depth there, which, I mean, that's been evident all season. Um, But I just don't know if they're completely confident running that top six defense group against the Tampas of the world in the playoffs or the Bostons or even the Carolinas, you know, depending how uh, the playoffs go. So I could see them going out and trying to add another defenseman who is a bit harder to play against in front of the net and can also move the puck. I think you need both. I don't envision it being a guy like Gavrikov. I think someone's going to overpay for him. Um, Even a guy like Jake McCabe, like there's rumors that could be a first round pick to acquire him. I don't know if it's McCabe, if they can get him for like a second plus, maybe. But I think Dubas still has something up his sleeve. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Again, no basis for these claims. These are just things I think I think. Thanks, Jonas Siegel. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Boys in the Booth podcast, this time explaining the Ryan O'Reilly trade. I hope you enjoyed, and I hope the Leafs are better because of it. And uh, let me know what you think in the comments below on YouTube and on Instagram. Send us a DM if you want to chat about the trade. I'm always happy to. And uh, again, thanks for listening, guys. Take care. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect.
connect with the boys in the booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth. 